Listen, this is going to be an exciting sermon. Let me tell you why. Because I have the clicker today. I am controlling the slides. And I got a laser pointer. You can't tell you how many times I resisted pointing this at Troy while he was leading worship. <laughs> I love when I say stuff like that and I see wrinkled brows. Don't be such a grouch. The joy of the Lord will be your strength, not your misery. <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead today. You should be happy. You should smile. Smile. It'll do your face good. It'll take away some wrinkles. Praise the Lord. Amen. You ready? You know, this, this, I, I've, been, I've been a little agitated in my spirit this year around Easter, but I won't get into that. But I do want to say this. Every, every Easter, I see some things that begin to happen. It's funny. There's one thing that happens almost every year. I, all of a sudden, I see people starting to debate, which is more important, the cross or the resurrection? Anybody see that? Let me tell you something. That's, that's just so dumb. That's just so, let me tell you what I really think about it. That's just so idiotic. That's so lame. You got any other words I can describe it for? You know, how many know the cross and the resurrection are inseparable? That the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ are not in competition with each other. They are complementary parts of a story. They are two parts of a drama that is incomplete without one or the other. Now listen to me, I got, some, I, I got some advice for you. When somebody starts to argue that and wants to drag you into that argument, ignore them. Just flat out ignore them. They're being foolish, it's a foolish argument. They have no understanding of what scripture talks about, all right? And so I just wanted to get that off my chest. I feel so much better now. I wanna to talk to you this morning for a little bit, come on. Let me tell you what happens to this Resurrection Sunday crowds. You're boring. I'm just telling you, I'm not boring, you're boring. Let me tell you what happens. You get up early, you're chasing bunny rabbits around, you're chasing baskets around, you get, everybody's getting tired and their sugar buzz. Okay? <laughs> don't, be, go, don't go to sleep on me. I'm gonna take us on a little journey this morning. All right, here we are. We're celebrating Resurrection Sunday, the day that we celebrate the raising of Jesus from the dead after his death. A special day. But I'm telling you, it's not special to you if it's not special every day of the week. And I want to tell you that the days in between are what make it special. Now, I want to begin today with a scripture, all right? Here's the scripture I want to begin with. Look at that. I've got the right button, okay? This is the scripture that I want to begin with because I believe this scripture encapsulates why Jesus came to earth. Let's read it. For this reason, he had to be made like them. How many know them as us? Them as humanity. That Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Let me stop there for just a moment. All right, I want you to understand something. Let us never forget this. Jesus did not come to earth to serve you first. He came to earth to serve his father. He came to earth, went to Calvary, died on Calvary to serve his father as a faithful high priest for you and I. How many know we are the beneficiaries of that service? But make no mistake about it, Jesus was in service to God the Father. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. All right? Jesus came. He came in service to the Father. When he came in service to the Father, he was the merciful and he was the high priest. And in doing so, he served us and his father. He became like us because if he was not like us, he could not be a high priest in our form. Unless he was like us, he couldn't serve us. Unless he was like us, he could not atone for us. Fifteen times in the book of Hebrews, fifteen times in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is described as our high priest. Fifteen Hebrews is rich in Christology. You want to learn theology about Christ? Read the book of Hebrews. All right? Now, I want to take a few moments to set up the significance of what Jesus did. So you got to bear with me for a few moments. All right? All throughout the book of Hebrews, this verse and multiple verses, I believe, I know they are, they are referring to the great day of atonement found in Leviticus chapter 16. All right? 
Hebrews 4 points us there as the high priest in the Day of Atonement. Hebrews 5, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 7, Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 point us there. All right. One of the predominant themes of Hebrews is the high priestly office of Jesus. We see him as the high priest who made atonement for the sins of humanity. We see him as the high priest, and we also see him as the offering that the high priest brought for the atonement. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to show you this next picture, all right? I don't know. I must have made that disappear somehow. Okay, I got it. I'm going to do a little teaching, then I'm going to do a little preaching. How many say, please make it little? The tabernacle. I got to take you back to Leviticus 16. I'm going to take you to the tabernacle. The tabernacle was what? The Bible tells us that the tabernacle was God's dwelling among his people. That God gave to the people of Israel at the time of Moses, this tabernacle patterned after the tabernacle in heaven so that it would be his dwelling place among his people. Because how many know it's always been God's desire to dwell among his people? How many know God still wants to dwell among his people today? How does he dwell among his people today? Holy Spirit, who resides within us. Now, the tabernacle was given as this dwelling place. Even though it was God's dwelling place among his people, there were limitations in approaching God. All right, now I want to show you what would happen. On the great day of atonement, here's what would happen. Let me tell you, I won't make you read the scripture, but just bear with me for a moment. In Leviticus chapter 16, and throughout centuries and generations, the great day of atonement, this is what would happen. They would take a bull, and they would kill it. And they would take its blood into the most holy place. They would take a ram, and they would kill it. And they would take its blood into the most holy place. On the great day of atonement, this is what would happen. They would kill this animal here, and they would take its blood, and they would take it in here. The high priest was the only one that could go in here once a year, once a year, only with blood, all right? One day that year, the sin of the people would be atoned for. Now, I want to show you something. So you have this dwelling place with God, but the problem with this dwelling place with God is, first of all, all right, it had limited access. Or, oops, there we go. I'm controlling it today. Limited access. Now, let me say something. If you, how, you were a common person, as a common person in Israel, you could only go this far. You would come to sacrifice, you would come to worship, and that's all the farther you get. You brought your offering it would be killed on the altar, and then it would be taken by a priest from there. That's as far as you could go. The only far distance you could go is into the courtyard of the tabernacle. All right, if you were a common priest, not the high priest, the common priest could go here and into what was called the holy place. All right, this is the holy place right here. And the common priest could go there. If you were the high priest, you could go into the most holy place, but it was limited access in that you could only go there one day a year and only by blood. You could not go anytime you wanted. And so you have this dwelling place of God, but this dwelling place of God has limited access. Okay? Now, let me move on a minute. So next, not only was it limited access, but there also was limited atonement. That the blood taken into the holy place most holy place by the high priest, that atonement lasted one year. And guess what happened the following year? You killed another bull, you killed another ram, you took the blood in, you hoped that the high priest was accepted by God, you hoped he was approved by God, you hoped the offering was accepted, and he would come out and you'd get atonement for another year. And guess what you did the next year? You did it again, and the next year, and again, and again, and again. One time, one time, limited atonement. My sin would only be covered for a year. And then, it also had a limited cleansing. The Bible tells us that the blood of bulls and goats could not cleanse the conscience of guilty sinners. But yet, the blood of Jesus could. And so now, I'm, I, I, listen to me. Do you see, this was a wonderful thing, but it also was so limited in that this high priest could only make this happen one day a year. Now watch what the Bible says. You see, I'm setting this up for you. This is what happened century after century after century after century. A limited offering that brought limited atonement in a place that had limited access to God. 
But, the scripture says, but when Christ came as high priest. How many know those are some of the greatest words in the Bible? That but when Christ came as high priest. Let me show you what happens when he comes, okay? But when Christ comes as high priest, here's that tabernacle again. And I want to show you what happens in this tabernacle. Now what happened is Jesus, my high priest, Jesus, my high priest, now takes the lamb, which is himself, puts it on the altar of Calvary, because how many know he didn't take himself to a brazen altar, he put himself on the cross of Calvary where the lamb was slain for the sins of the world, all right? And then my high priest, he took that blood, and where did he take that blood? He took that blood into the most holy place, but it wasn't in the temple, it was in the tomb where he met with God, because the Bible tells me that he took it in there, and I'm gonna show you something. The Bible says that he went through the greater tabernacle, which was in heaven. Now, I'm, setting, I'm just setting this up for you this morning. Here's what I want you to see. Imagine for me for a moment. Go back to the Old Testament. Go back where century after century after century, where there, this high priest, would kill these rams and kill this offering. Take the blood. Into, this is the one day that you can be atoned for. This is the one day that your sin can be covered. Two things had to happen when that high priest went into that holy place. One, he had to be approved. Two, his offering had to be accepted. And he's doing this on your behalf. The Bible says that the people that day were to afflict themselves. They were to be penitent. They were to be downcast. So now get this. While they are in a spirit of affliction, humility, penitence, their high priest is in the most holy place. And you got to be wondering for just a moment, what would happen? Is he going to come back out? Is this high priest, it, it, will, will, his, will he be approved? Will his offering be accepted? Would God approve of the high priest who was entering into his presence? Would my sin be atoned for? Would their sin be covered for another year? Or would the high priest be struck dead? Would the offering be rejected? And then all of a sudden, that high priest emerges from the most holy place. He emerges from the holy place. And this is what you know. He was approved, his offering was accepted. The high priest returned. You aren't doomed, you aren't ruined. You're covered for another year. Let me show you something. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the return of the high priest from the most holy place and you and I are not doomed. You and I are not ruined because my high priest came back out of that most holy place. You gotta understand something, folks. Jesus came to fulfill the law, and he fulfilled it to the T. My high priest went into that place with the blood, and God said, I approve of the priest, and I accept his offering. Praise God for you and I. The high priest, that, listen to me. That's what was happening. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave is the return of the priest coming back out of the most holy place. Return of the priest, said God, approved of the priest, and he approved of the sacrifice. If Jesus doesn't raise from the dead, Calvary means nothing to us. It means the offering was rejected. It means the offering wasn't good. It means the priest wasn't good. But because God raised him from the dead, he said, I approve of him, and I approve of his offering. And listen to me. Here's where it gets really starts to get good. And now, because of Jesus... What was once limited access to God is now I have limit. The limited becomes the limitless, where Jesus removes it all. The barriers are gone. The limitations are gone. Look at this. He who had limited access now has limitless access. Do you know this morning that you have limited access to God do you know that you can walk boldly into the throne room, the scripture tells us? Do you know this morning that Jesus removed, that you don't have to stop at the outer court? You don't have to stop at the holy place. That you have access to the throne room of God because of what Jesus did. Listen to me this morning. I want to tell you a couple things. This is what God did. See, remember the Bible says that when Jesus died on Calvary, the temple veil was rent from top to bottom. That veil separated the most holy place from the holy place. And God said, no more. I'm removing it. And Jesus, matter of fact, the Bible says 
that he became the veil. You see, what God did is God took down that limited veil and he replaced it with the one who's the limitless door. How many know through Christ, I have unlimited access to God? I have unlimited access to God the Father because of what Jesus Christ did. Let me say this to you. Through Christ, the only limits to God I now have are self-imposed limits. The only limits you have today to God are the ones you put on yourself, or the ones you put on yourself. Listen to me this morning. How many know this morning that you limit how far you go with God? You limit how far you can go to God. How many know the Bible says if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you? The only limits are self-imposed limits. You allow the sin of your life to determine how far you go. You allow the apathy to determine how you go. You allow your guilt and shame to determine how far you go. God removed the limits. But the only limits that are there are self-imposed limits. No parent, well, let me rephrase this. No good parent makes it hard for their children to get to them. Right? Jesus removed the barriers and he gave us limitless access to the Father. It meant that we who had limited atonement, here's the thing, here's the thing. Now I have eternal redemption. The Bible doesn't say I have limited atonement. The Bible doesn't say I have partial atonement. The Bible doesn't say I'm saved for a year and then we gotta re-up. No, 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 no. The Bible tells me that Jesus purchased with his blood for me eternal redemption. How many of you live, sometimes we don't live that way. You see, and how is that possible? Because Jesus, the last offering for sin, is my only offering for sin. How many people try to bring offerings for their sin? Well, if I just do this because I did that. If I just do this because I did it. If I just get this right. If I just do that right. Oh, I need to do this more. I need to do that more. Hello? You're saved by grace through faith. Jesus, listen to me. Listen to me. The last offering for century after century after century, they brought the blood of bulls and goats to atone for sin. For century after century, they would get partial atonement until Jesus. And he was the last offering for sin. And you have nothing else to offer for your sin except the blood of Jesus. Christ's sacrifice for sin was a one-time payment. It was not the first installment of a payment plan. How many of you buy a car and get that? They, get, they still give payment books. I don't know, Eric, can we get a payment book? What do we get? Something weird. Now, how many of you buy a car and you get that payment book? It has the vouchers in it. How many know that when you make that first payment, you're looking at the rest of it going, oh, dear Jesus, help me. Like, like this thing is thicker than an encyclopedia. Like, I mean, you can get like seven, eight-year loans on cars now. Holy cow. Some people treat their salvation as if Jesus made the initial payment and then they pick up the payment plan. Works of the flesh. Works of religion. You can't work your way. You can't pay for it. It's a done deal. It's a one-time payment. He paid it all in a lump sum. Stop living as if you've got a payment book. We who had limited atonement now have eternal redemption. We who had limited cleansing now have limitless cleansing. The Bible says it could not cleanse their conscience from a guilty. Guilty. If you are walking in guilt and shame today, you are not walking in the blood of Jesus. If you are walking in guilt and shame over sin, you are not walking in the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses you from all iniquity. You see, my high priest Jesus and his offering removed all the limitations and removed all the barriers. Here's what gets really good too. Is he, we who had limited intercession 
have limitless intercession. You know where my high priest is today? The Bible tells me, watch this in Romans, the Bible tells me that who then is the one who condemns no one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. How many know the Bible says that Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the high priest, is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. He's not a one-time deal. He's not doing it once a year. He's not doing it by the blood of bulls and goats. He's doing it because of his own blood, and it is a permanent, ongoing thing. The Son of God praying for me. When you go through what life throws at you, when you're going through it all, you got one who's making intercession for you. Man, I love the scriptures. You see, this is all the work of the high priest. This limitless one. But you know, so, so let me talk to you for a moment. You say, you've been, I know. It's going to be a few more moments. Oh, we got lots of time. Everybody just got nervous. See, what I want to show you something. So this is the picture, and I know it's the picture because you, if you, the, the New Testament, how many know the New Testament confirms the Old Testament? And so you have our high priest. He comes, he makes a one-time offering. He is the limitless high priest. He's the limited off, limited, limitless offering. He goes to Calvary. He takes the blood and he comes out. He's resurrected. And then something happens. Something happens. Do you remember those men he walked with? Remember those guys, Peter, James, John, Matthew? Do you remember them? He walked with him for three years. He's on trial. They're questioning if they bring him to trial. Peter says, I never knew him. I'm out of here. Three times, duh, don't know who he is. The other disciples scatter. The Bible says they scattered. The Bible says that Thomas wouldn't even believe that he was raised from the dead. It's funny, these guys who walked with him for three years were still living with limits. Fear limited Peter. Doubt limited Thomas. Fear of death caused the other ones to run. But all of a sudden, something happened. When that high priest, when my high priest, when Jesus comes out of that grave, all of a sudden, something happens. You see, it was the limitless one that all of a sudden comes out of that grave, and this is what happens. Then the limitless one removed the limits. He gave birth to a limitless people. I want us to see this this morning because I'm gonna tell you something. There was something that happened in those people when they saw the resurrected Christ. There was something that happened and it's something that needs to happen in today's church where when we peel off, sometimes I get concerned that the church is existing with a veneer that looks really, really good until you peel it away and all you find is sawdust glued together. When the fact of the matter is, what we want to see when we get peeled away is that we're solid wood with another layer that can be refined over and over and over again. You, you see, Jesus, because of his resurrection, was now birthing a limitless people. Why were they limitless? I'm going to tell you. Watch this. All of a sudden, they become a people a limitless people filled with the limitless spirit of God. John says he gives the spirit without limit. He gives the spirit beyond measure. Do you remember what Jesus said? Listen to me. We're talking about guys who denied that he knew them, knew him. We're talking about guys who scatter. We're talking about guys that doubt. All of a sudden, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What was it that changed their lives and removed the limits? It was the resurrection of Jesus. But you will receive power. You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Watch this. To Judea, where they rejected me. To Jerusalem, where they killed me. To Samaria, whom you hate. And to the uttermost ends of the earth. In other words, you're going to have no limits with the Spirit of God. Listen to me this morning. Believer, listen to me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a believer this morning, you have limitless power of the Holy Spirit available to your life. 
limited power is not his idea. It's our idea. He says, oh, he says, oh, by the way, you will heal the sick and you will raise the dead and you will cast out demons and you will transform people and you will transform cities. You will be limitless because he is limitless. The only limits that Holy Spirit has today are those we put upon him by unbelief and a lack of faith. The resurrection of Jesus birthed a limitless people who had the limitless spirit of God. And they were a people not limited by persecution. I'm trying to show you who, who was birthed out of that resurrection. Imprisonment did not limit them. Beatings did not limit them. Read the book of Acts. Threats couldn't limit them. Stonings couldn't limit them. Beheadings could not limit them. These people were beasts. They were animals. They were. They were some bad people, man. They were a people not limited by hardship. Man, we make getting to church some days hard. Oh, you know, it's raining outside. Oh, you know, it's cold outside. Oh, the kids had a sniffle, you know. Well, you know, I was tired. I was up late last night. I mean, look at a guy named Paul. Hmm? Five times I received the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys. I've been in dangers in rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, in the wilderness, on the sea. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights. I was hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold exposure. Apart from such external things, there was a daily pressure on me, concern for all the churches. Listen, he was through some hardship. But what was it that caused him to endure the hardship and the hardship would not limit him? It was a resurrected Savior. Listen to me this morning. I'm going to tell you something. The, the, the church in this era has some of the greatest tools ever available in the history of the church. But sometimes I fear we've gotten soft. It's time we suck it up, buttercup. Come on. It's time we get tough again. It's time we endure hardship. Not just endure it, but we embrace it for the cause of Christ. They were limitless. <laughs> they were a people not limited by death. <laughs> I was thinking about this. You know, think about this. You can't scare a people who've seen a resurrected Savior with the fear of death. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, wait, you're going to kill me? Yeah, you already tried that with him. It didn't work so well. I saw you kill him. I just saw him yesterday. He was in our midst. He taught us for 40 days about the kingdom of God. He appeared to 500. Come on, you can't, you're gonna scare me with death? I saw you beat him. I saw him on a cross. I saw where they laid him. He's alive. He's alive. And you're gonna try to scare me with death? You see, because what they knew is that when the limited one defeated death, the limitless one defeated death, the grave became a limited place. Because how many of you know this morning that the grave couldn't hold him? You, you see, in their eyes, the grave lost. Death was overcome. And how does it affect us? And how did it affect them? Because, I'm going to talk to you for a moment about this. Because the grave became a limited place, our grief is limited. Listen to me. This group of people saw people being killed, murdered, and martyred. And yet they pressed on. And yet they would grieve. 
Why, how do you think Paul could write the words that we don't grieve as men without hope? You, you see, I've got to tell you something this morning. In this room are many people who grieve the loss of many loved ones. But your grief is limited because the grave is limited. You see, our grief is not limited because it lacks pain, but because it contains hope. It's not limited because it's painless. It's not limited because it doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't, it's not limited because you don't feel the pain of the loss. It's not limited because you don't shed a tear anymore. It's limited because hope is there. Hope is contained. Hope is in it. You grieve with hope. You see, remember what Paul said? Let me read this scripture to you. We're almost done. Hang on. Paul said this. Read this scripture with me. But we don't want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many believe that Jesus died and rose again? Even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Come on, how many know he's making a promise? And he says, goes on. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Some of you have a lot of loved ones in here today that have fallen asleep in the Lord. For the Lord himself, listen, it gets really good, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Because how many know the grave is a limited place? The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we always be with the Lord. Come on. Do you see it this morning? Listen to me. Listen to me. That, that, that my, my high priest who went to Calvary's cross, who slayed, and he, and, and he killed the lamb, and he brought the offering. He took the blood into the holy place, into the most holy place. He offered it to God the Father. God said, I approve of this high priest, and I approve of his offering. Therefore, Jesus removed all the barriers. You and I live a limitless life. We're not limited by anything. We're not limited access to God. We have unlimited atonement. We have unlimited redemption. We have the unlimited Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. We're not limited by death. We're not limited by hardship. We're not limited by persecution. Why? Because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Therefore, we believe that our loved ones will be raised from the dead. And what happens? We as well will be raised from the dead. This is the promise of Scripture this morning. This is the promise of Scripture. That's why Paul then said what? Encourage one another with these words. He's coming down someday. And when he comes down, here's what this scripture tells me. When he comes down, you just won't be able to keep a body down. The graves are going to open. We get a picture of that when Jesus died. So the tombs of many holy people were opened up and they went into the city. We got a snapshot of that. And when he comes down, those dead in Christ are going to rise. And when he comes down, those that remain are going to rise. There's going to be a whole lot of bodies going up. There's going to be a whole lot of bodies going up. This is not hype. This is the promise of Scripture. This is the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ.
Jesus breathed his last breath. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The centurion said, surely this man was the son of God. Joseph asked for Jesus' body. He took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock. Then the stone was rolled against the entrance of the tomb. Here is a with a smooth and velvet tongue. He's always telling me to run. Oh, love is a resurrection, and love is a trumpet sound. And love is a weapon. I'm gonna take my chance down. There ain't no Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is, he is, he has, he has, he has risen. Oh, there was a battle, a war between death and life. And there on the tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. And he went on down to hell. He took back every key. He Death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. There ain't no grave gonna hold his body down. But thanks be 
to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking to. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking to. Yeah. If you walked out of the grave, I'm promise of scripture this morning. I'm going to close with this. With all of my heart, I believe that's how the apostles lived. That once they came to the realization that their friend, their leader, their Messiah, their Savior was resurrected and they saw him. Listen, listen to me. They lived. They just simply didn't fear death like they once did. Fear didn't, of death didn't limit them. Let me tell you something. I ain't dying for somebody I know that didn't raise from the dead. Think about this. You think about what these guys did. Paul was beheaded in 66 AD. All the things that he went through. Peter crucified upside down in 66 AD. Andrew went to the land of the man-eaters, what's now called the Soviet Union. He was crucified in Asia Minor, Minor. Thomas went as far as India, where he was pierced through with spears of four soldiers. Philip went into North Africa and then Asia Minor and they arrested him and put him to death. James, the son of Alphaeus. Historian Josephus reported that he was stoned and then he was clubbed to death for ministering in Syria. Simon the Zealot ministered in Persia and he was killed after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. Matthias the one that was chosen to replace Judas. Tradition says he went to Syria with Andrew and he, was and he, was um, he had death by burning. They all died martyrs' deaths. They gave their life for the cause of Christ. They didn't give their life for a dead corpse. They gave their life for a risen Savior. Their life was limitless because of the limitless one. Death was not a limitation to them. I, I'm not inviting you to die today. I'm inviting you to live. Yeah. I'm inviting you to live. I, I'm inviting you to live a limitless life in Christ Jesus. A life that gives you unlimited access to God 
who gave his son to die on a cross and raised him from the dead. I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to walk into a life that is limitless. You don't have to fear death. You don't fear the grave. No, none of us are anxious to do it tomorrow. I'm inviting you into a life where you will grieve, but it will not be without hope. You see, it doesn't even require you dying today. It just requires you dying to yourself today. To get the limitless life that Jesus bought and purchased and paid for and was raised to, all you got to do is die to yourself. That's it. That's it. All you got to do this morning is, is simply what the Bible says. To believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and confess with your mouth that he was raised from the dead. That's all. And the Bible says you shall be saved. The Bible says he was delivered for my sin. That's what he did on Calvary. But the Bible says he was raised for my justification. He was raised for my acquittal. He paid my price on Calvary. And that payment was verified when Christ was raised from the dead. There's a limitless life that he paid for, that he wants you to live on a daily basis with a limited access to God, with a limited access, with a limitless Holy Spirit leading you, guiding you, putting to death things in your life. That gives you limitless hope. Come on, man. Who doesn't want that life? Who doesn't want that life? It only requires one thing. The Bible says we die to ourselves, And when we do that, we can step into that limitless life that he has for us. Come on, bow your heads with me. I just want you to do one simple thing this morning. If you're saying, I, I, just say to me, I want that limitless life he paid for. I want that limitless life he went to the cross for. I want that limitless life that he went into that most holy place with to get me. I want that limitless life that God raised him from the dead to give me. I just want you to do one thing. That's all I'm going to ask of you is raise your hand. Yeah, right there. We got hands everywhere. We got hands everywhere. You see, this is going to be the day of your salvation. For some of you, you're putting your hand up because it's the, what you're saying is, I want more. That's okay. You keep them up too. Some of you are saying, I just want more of the limitless life. And some of you, this is the first time. And you're coming into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's by faith. Because I'm going to tell you something, man. It don't make sense. That's why it requires faith. But I can tell you this much. I've walked a journey of faith for a long time now. And I can't tell you everything makes sense. But I can tell you, He is the one that's there in the deepest, darkest times of my life. And I can tell you, he's the one that has saved me. And I can tell you that he's the one that gives me joy in the midst of sorrow. I can testify to his life in mine. Oh, trust me, old P. Jimmy ain't perfect. <laughs> but that's just the point. The limitless life that he has for me isn't based on my perfection. It's based on his perfection. And this day, some of you raised it and said, I want more of that. I want to go deeper into it. And some of you raised it for the first time saying, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want the salvation that he has offered me. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask all of us to stand together. And I'm going to ask us all to pray together today. What are we going to sing at the end of this? you have any idea? Can we sing an old one? Can we sing an old one? 
I know you can. I, I hope Tom can listen to you. You know, I'm just here's what I want you to do. I, I just want you all. Who doesn't want more of the limitless life that God wants for us? And so I want the house to pray with me. I, I'll, I'll, I'll lead us in this. And we just say, we, Father, Father, I come to you today, to you today through, your son, through your son, my high priest, my high priest who, took who took an offering into the most holy place on my behalf. And I believe today that offering was himself. That offering was his blood. He was the innocent one who took my place because I was the guilty one. My sin kept me from God. But his death opened up a door for me to step in. And so from this day forward, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that Christ was raised from the dead. And I know this day I'm saved. Fill me with your limitless spirit so I can have limitless joy, peace, so I can have limitless power. I want to live the limitless life that you paid for. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you prayed this today for the very first time. I'm going to tell you something. You're saved. Now listen to me. You got to follow it up. Begin to walk the process. Walk with the Lord. We have a Foundations of Faith class. You need to get a part of it. George Bell teaches it. You know, we, we got to get a part of that. Get in the Word of God. If you prayed that today, man, we want to know you prayed that. There's some, probably some um, cards in the, your bulletin. If you didn't fill them out already, fill it out. Say, I got saved today. We'll get you some information. For others of you, you prayed it today and said, man, I want more. The only limitations on the limitless life are the self-imposed limits. Get rid of the limits today. And now at this point, I want to, I asked Troy to sing a song. It's an older song. But I don't, to me, there was no other perfect song for me to sing today. And I just want to tell him he's worthy. That worthy is the Lamb. Come on, church. Let's raise up our voice. Let's give him praise this morning. Let's worship him one last time. One heart, one mind. Let it rip. Let it raise to the heavens where he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you today.